Welcome Wait. to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. Thanks, Chat BT, GPT, for the intro. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was just a little creepy, and it, and it kind of cut me off at the end too. It didn't even get my whole last name. <laughs> Ryan O'Hare. <laughs> I feel like I should only only stay here for like you know three quarters of the broadcast, and then I got a jet. What else is new? Welcome to the show, everybody, where we talk to you about cybersecurity. And we're going to cruise the internet today and talk about stuff that's happening out there because there's a lot of things going on but uh before we get into that if you if this show made you think if we gave you new perspective on anything if we've taught you anything we just ask that you share the show it's the only thing that we do to grow the show is word of mouth and people spreading the word and we'll continue to do that and we'll continue to bring you pretty good content along the way. So we got a lot going on, guys. There's a ton of ransomware attacks happening right now. First, we're going to just start right off the top with the uh, hospital down in Tallahassee that is dealing with a uh, major, I mean, at this point, it's, they haven't said it yet, right, that it's a ransomware attack. They're still calling it a, uh, a security issue, but they are pretty much unable to do anything at this hospital at this point in time, um, pushing other patients, patients that are that were going there and then were already in that hospital have been put in other hospitals um, at this point. And they're just reviewing, as they say, each of their IT systems now, prioritizing them and bringing them back online one by one. So we do not currently have a timeline for how long this will take as this is an emerging situation, but we will continue to provide updates. Uh, the regional hospital added that patients whose appointments were affected due to this security breach would be contacted by their providers or care facilities. Uh, it, this is, I think, the second hospital this year that's been attacked, if I'm not mistaken. So... Uh, where are we at with this, guys? What are your thoughts? I, I love the use of, of issue for these types of events. I mean, that doesn't quite seem like strong enough of a word. I mean, I know why they're doing it, but uh, you know, this is this is kind of a life or death kind of scenario. So, issue doesn't really quite sum it up. Yeah, they they're really trying to minimize this, which is pretty. I mean, I'm, I don't want to say they're trying to minimize it from an impact standpoint, but really trying to minimize what they're saying publicly to people. Um, would be my guess because it, they just don't want to scare the crap out of people right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, they also want to cover their uh, rears, if you will, um, legally. You know, they don't want to say too much. They got to say just the right thing. Probably their lawyer approved this. But, mm -hmm. you know, we always bring it up. You know, there was a lot of talk, what, about a year and a half ago, I think, maybe a year ago about, you know, hey, we're not going to target uh, the healthcare sector, um, we've literally seen no relentment in that. I think there was a children's hospital that they actually came out and gave the, you know, the unencryption key to. That might mm -hmm. be the only thing that is going against this trend. But bottom line is these hospitals are full of money. 
and they're full of extremely valuable data, which makes them a high value target. And, you know, I was watching a, a show the other night and there's a criminal involved with somebody who was shady and the criminal ended up backstabbing the person who was kind of shady and the person kind of shady acted like they were surprised. And the criminal literally said, what do you expect me to do? I'm a criminal. And y'all out there in the world listening, especially if you work at a hospital, just because you're a hospital and you do good, that matters nothing to the criminals. If Unless, of course, they could use that to get even more money, like we think the people did by giving the unencryption key for the children's hospital. Bottom line, they're a huge target. Yeah. So the hospital operations that were affected by this, um, it basically said it would only be accepting patients with level one traumas uh, from its immediate service area while the cyber attack is being investigated. And they suspended all non-emergency medical procedures uh, due to the, to, due to the attack. Um, the hospital said that only affected it only affected specific systems. Uh, unaffected systems were taken offline to contain the attack. Uh, the systems are being prioritized and will be brought back online one by one when it is safe to do so. Do you guys remember when I told you like on the show, like I know somebody who works in a hospital and they use their personal computer there every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I just read that and I hear the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it, it affected some computers, but we took them all offline just to contain the attack because we mm -hmm. didn't want it spreading from somebody's personal laptop to, I'm not saying that's what happened, but that sounds like what could be happening. Um, <clears throat> it's just really scary to me that here we are, we're barely into, we're in the first week of February and we have two, the second hospital in the United States has been hit with ransomware. Um, I mean, we can't be having a hospital every single month be hit with ransomware. I mean, we're, the reason I say we're at the beginning of the month is like we could have another hospital in, in February hit with ransomware. Mm -hmm. and now we're at three. <coughs> so you're, you're, you're basically more, you're higher than one a month uh, rate at that point. Um, one thing too that's kind of missing from their statement that that I think has become part of the the normal script is uh, it doesn't say anywhere that they've engaged uh, cybersecurity uh, experts or a cybersecurity firm or anything like that and and almost all of these include something like that. Uh, I don't know if that means anything, but it just it, it strikes me as is interesting that it, that that's not there and it's that's typically there in most of these statements. Yeah. <clears throat> The uh, one of the things I read was that it's been reported that the FBI is involved, but the mm -hmm. FBI won't confirm or deny that they're in the midst of an investigation with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but I would imagine that they're involved. I mean, it would only yeah. be smart for them to involve them. It's you know, yeah. Andre, thing, in I mean, your home state, you're quiet. You're, what was that? Yep. Yeah. Can you hear me? I said, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, this is in your home state. You're awfully quiet about it. <laughs> yeah, um, the FBI and Homeland Security, they've been warning hospitals since 2021 that they are, you know, verifiable compromises and hacks that's happening within hospitals. So, like, ho hospitals that you guys need to wake up. This is, like, equivalent to someone knocking, FBI knocking on your business and saying your industry 
is at high risk, you need to do something. And two years later, we're still hearing this. It, it really shouldn't be happening at, at this rate. So we have, I have some more here from the HIPAA journal where it says that um, the TMH, uh, which is Tallahassee Memorial Hospital, I believe, um, also confirmed that in the Sunday, their Sunday update that the downtime procedures are still in place and patient information is being recorded on paper. The ambulance diversion remains in place for certain patients. And then it goes on to say our teams are working around the clock in collaboration with outside consultants to investigate the cause of the event and safely restore all computer systems as quickly as possible. IT security events take time to investigate and resolve, explained TMH in its Sunday statement. Our investigation is ongoing. And as is typical in such situations, we expect it to take some time to determine exactly what happened. Patient safety remains our number one priority and protocols for system downtime are being followed to minimize disruption. And the nature of the cyber attack was not disclosed on the Sunday release. So, and this is on the heels of the Atlantic General Hospital in Maryland. So um, clearly they're working with outside people. They're, they're very, they're, they're, being, I guess, if we were to rate this on a scale of one to 10, one being we're, we're just telling you everything and 10, we're being very tight-lipped about everything. This is like a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not, they're, they're being very well coached by their legal counsel, in my opinion. And, you know, rightfully so, um, because I think, I, I think they need to get to the bottom of like, who's doing this, how it's getting done. And, I would have, I would imagine that there's probably some commonalities between all these hospitals and how they're being attacked. Thoughts on that? Yep, it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's, it's probably good practice, but it, it uh, makes for a less juicy story for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So the article does mention um, a group, um, the Di- Diaxin or Dixon Team Cybercrime Group. Um, that's been involved in a bunch of hospitals um, this year and last year and May, I mean, I'm sorry, last year um, and do the article does, you know, suspect that it could be them, but it doesn't really go into any detail. So, so, so a lot of this, and, and I think we mentioned this on the show. I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but I feel like we definitely have been saying, for the last, I think, December, January, that we're going to see an increase in, in ransomware attacks because just the positioning we saw coupled with the vulnerabilities that were released during that time frame. Um, and I also think that, you know, some of these groups are going to want to kind of shove it back in the face of the FBI after they, and the Justice Department, and, you know, after they strolled out on stage and boasted about you know, their, their takedown. Um, so we have this major vulnerability that exists in businesses. Um, it's a big ransom. It's, I mean, a lot of security researchers are calling it a big ransomware mess where hackers are just taking advantage of these VMware ESXi servers. Um, and most of these attacks started last Friday morning with actors targeting unpatched VMware ESXi servers with new ransomware variant dubbed ES, 
ESXi args. Uh, the attacks are are fast, are widespread, and it's causing <coughs> admins around the world uh, to scramble to get their systems patched. But we're also hearing reports that their servers are entire server farms are being encrypted with this campaign. Um, so many companies operate much of their server infrastructure on VMware ESXi, allowing the encryption of one device to encrypt multiple servers simultaneously. So um, I don't know how much we want to go into explaining to our audience how these servers work, but the best way to describe it is, is you buy one piece of hardware and depending on the amount of com computing power you purchase for that system, you can run a lot of different what we call virtual servers inside of that. So it's like running multiple machines and it saves you money on having to buy, you know, big boxes of hardware and, and put them in a, in, a, uh, in a server storage facility. You are basically running all these, you know, you could run one, you can run two, you can run 12, depending on how much computing power you have. But all of those servers or all those computers that are running inside that one machine or that one box are all getting encrypted uh, by this ransomware and re rendering them unusable until they pay the ransom to have basically what their what are their VMware images that run these servers, uh, they're encrypted and they don't run anymore. So that's the simple way to put it. But scary. I mean, yeah, it, I, I've got a question on this one, too. And I, I, yeah. I'm uh, by no means a VMware expert uh, of any kind. But one thing that struck me is is their, their recommendation. So obviously, they're recommending applying the patch as soon as possible. I mean, granted, this is a two year old uh, CVE. Uh, but they also added uh, that systems left unpatched should be scanned for signs of compromise. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if this if the patch for this particular CVE uh, causes additional problems like we've seen before, uh, where you know the patch uh, you know fixes the security vulnerability, but then uh, it uh, causes problems with the the ongoing functionality of the the resource in the first place. So that to me just seemed odd that that was part of it. So I'm wondering if that's the case. That's are you are you say are you asking that because you're thinking to yourself that. <clears throat> Why wouldn't you patch it? So, like, if they're, you know, if this is a two-year-old vulnerability, and they're saying, you know, if if you're not patching it, um, you know, scan for signs of compromise, that leads me to believe that there might be a reason that people would not patch my, this particular vulnerability. My guess would be that the exploit would be, um, you'd be able to see it mm -hmm. on an unpatched machine, but if it's if it's compromised, then patched, it it may make it more yeah. difficult to detect. That would be my guess. Could be yeah. why they're saying to uh, to do that. You know, the crazy thing I looked at this um, at this vulnerability and not only does it allow them to do, you know, ransomware, things like that. So it's a low complexity attack um, and it gives them basically God mode access to all of the virtual machines. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, let's say a hospital is running ES ESXi, which is pretty normal. It's a big old, you know, big old machine. It's got a bunch of virtual machines, like all their internal servers and all that are on there. Somebody gets into this, the host, basically. Um, and now they've got God mode access to to everything that's that's in there, which um, is uh, pretty disturbing. It's a pretty bad, uh, it's a pretty bad vulnerability.
and so, a lot of uh, like like cloud uh, cloud hosting and and uh, server farms use this technology. So it's, it's yeah. pretty common out there. So yeah, Alza. So as a kind of a a little bit of an of an addition to kind of give people perspective, as I was looking at the article on uh, the VMware stuff, there was a little link in there that drove me to another <coughs> bleeping computer where it says Microsoft over 100 threat actors deploy ransomware and attacks. So they're basically saying that they're tracking 100 ransomware gangs and over 50 unique ransomware families or varieties that are actively used up until the end of 2022. So that's wild. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, to think that there's that many out there um so not only do you have to worry about the big guys that are usually very successful but i mean what do we what do we know about 10 or 15 maybe you know of the of the big names that heavy hitters are out there yeah. so you have 85 potentially more depending on how many are added every month and we're already like i said in february you could be dealing with 125 different ransomware gangs and you know by the end of this year Ransomware gangs can be easily approaching 500 in my mind and, you know, 200 variants of ransomware. Especially at the rate that they, they, they fracture and form multiple groups and, you know, it's right. I mean, and, and people, you, if you don't think that there's people out there skilling up and learning how to do this and learning how to get inside your network and learning how to deploy ransomware and build their own ransomware, don't kid yourself. There's, there's a lot of people around the world who will turn to the criminal side of technology and, and learn that and do that versus, you know, use it for good or use it uh, to, you know, prevent these types of attacks. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's crazy. And that's, and that's basically what Mike, Microsoft's saying in here in the article is that companies need to look at their defense strategies and they should focus less on the specific payload, meaning like don't focus on the like detecting the ransomware, but more focus more on the chain of activities that lead to getting the deployment of that file or that malware or that ransomware. Right. Like we talk about on this show all the time, there are things that happen before ransomware events happen. And if you can detect those things, you're probably going to prevent the ransomware in the first place. But if you have no visibility on those things or you can't detect them, that's how these guys are successful. Right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Like turning into a bad movie, you know? For every for every uh, one good guy, there's like 10,000 bad guys that's just going to overwhelm the system. Yeah, it's it's just insane how how much this is evolving and changing and it's going to be wild. So I think that's a good point too, too, Andre. Like it, it, it's turning into a bad movie, but like not even, not even an interesting movie. Like aside from people like us who are in this, yeah, like it's not, it's not a hot topic for people. So like it, it just, it, it really hinders that, that awareness that we need to get out there that this stuff is happening and, and, and the scale at which it's happening. Yeah. I mean, I would love more than nothing to have a company that just helps companies use and, spend money on technology mm -hmm. that helps them grow and improve and make their business more efficient. Um, but you can't even think about doing that kind of stuff until you take care of security. 
Um, and that's, you know, it, it's one of those weird places to be in as a, as a, as a business, right. That we're in, like we, we know businesses need this. So we develop services and solutions around security. Um, but I mean, I, wish, I honestly wish I didn't have to do that. I wish, you know, we didn't have to worry about these types of things, but we do. Um, and businesses could spend, you know, their budget on their IT in other areas than needing to worry about protecting data and preventing attacks. But that's the nature of, of what we've built and created over the last 50 years with, mm-hmm. with technology. And um, yeah, I don't see there being a, a quick resolution to this. I think security is always going to be something that we have to worry about. Um, I don't think there's going to be anything over time. It may get better and improve, you know, just like automobiles have from a safety standpoint, but you know, I think it'll improve for the technology that we currently have, but technology is moving so fast that we're going to have, we haven't even thought of right now that we need to to apply these security. I mean, just look at Chad GTP and AI. I mean, we have no idea how that's going to, impact cybersecurity and what we're going to have to do to mm-hmm. deal with that. You know what I mean? So, Maybe we should ask it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a month ago, we never heard of it. And today it did our intro. I mean, come on. Man. <laughs> yeah, baby. Still mad that it cut off my name though. So we got a, another ransomware attack that I wanted to touch on here, guys, real quick. And that's uh, the school district. Another down, school. Another school. Another K through 12. I think it's like. Between we're, schools we're, and hospitals, I mean, we, we could do entire shows on the, on just those. Yeah, between schools and hospitals, they should start doing something about their cybersecurity because there's a, a growing uh, theme here. Um, but we have this uh, Berkeley County, and not in California, it's actually in West Virginia. Um, students in the Berkeley County stayed home from school on Monday following a security incident Friday involving a network outage at limited IT operations. The county school district is currently trying to restore access to the network, working with both cybersecurity professionals and law enforcement to find the cause of the incident. The county is also investigating if any personal data from students was compromised. I will tell you that will be a yes. (laughs) Um, You know, when you hear things like they they have to uh, figure out what happened, if you have to figure out what happened and you don't know what happened, like you needed to bring people in to figure out what happened, you're going to find out that data was compromised. Yeah. It probably happened. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and I, I love like, and this is another common one with these school things. You know, we, we take our, our students and our community seriously and we place a high value on maintaining integrity and security of the data we hold in our systems. Now we do. We got punched happening? in the face. Now we do after we got punched in right. the face. Right. I don't think we've done I don't think we've done one of these shows uh for probably six months where there hasn't been at least one school that was brought up. And I don't think that I personally don't think that any school district administrator, any principal thinks otherwise. I think mm-hmm. they think they have good security. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, why would they have any reason to believe that they don't? Well, right. because nobody's educated them on the fact that they do. Um, and that's part of the problem. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, we've harped on it a million times on this, but if you're not getting independent cybersecurity risk assessments from somebody who has no skin in the game in your organization, you're probably not getting the full picture. Mm-hmm. 
So in an email statement from the Berkeley County School Communications Director Elaine Bobo to West Virginia Public Broadcasting said they would provide an update once the investigation is complete and the network is back online because they want their students in the community to know that they place the high value on maintaining the integrity and security of the data that they, that they hold. And they're working diligently to restore yeah. everything, you know, going hard. Um, and, and that's it. They're kind of just like, hey, we're going to get it back online. We'll let you know. And they, they did announce, too, that, that schools were reopening today. Oh, good. That's great. Yikes. While the investigation on that one. Don't take your Chromebook home and don't connect it to your network. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of things happening here, guys, um, that we're seeing pivot-wise with ransomware groups um and just i don't we don't have it on our outline but i just want to mention that there's a major chip maker called mks instruments who's also dealing with a ransomware attack we've talked enough on this show about why that's important um chips and hardware and software being compromised is not something that you want to really be reading about because of the level of access that they could get other forms of malware and backdoors and all that bad stuff in those things. So you might want to check that out. Um, <clears throat> Italy was also hit with a ransomware attack. Um, they're, they're dealing with it. They're saying it's not state sponsored. So some. That was related to the VMware thing too, wasn't it? Oh yes, it was. Yeah. They mm -hmm. got hit with what yep. they were one of the victims of the VMware issue. Which, you know, a lot of big companies, a lot of small companies, you know, run these things. I mean, I, I quite frankly, Rye, I walked into small businesses or medium-sized businesses. And, like, somewhere along the way, somebody set up a VMware server for that, mm -hmm. right? And depending on, you know, the hardware that you buy and how it was set up, they they run for a pretty long time without many problems. And, and the person who set it up probably isn't there anymore. And it's probably not getting updated and patched. That's, that's right. Right. It's like, well, who's managing this thing? Who's running it? And then like mm -hmm. people are clueless that you need to do that stuff. And that um, that's, that's a really good point. And something that we see all the time is, is people like, Hey, I just want you to do this one project for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, and, and people just don't understand. I, I don't think there's, there's very much, if not anything these days, uh, that you can do as a single project and then have that that still be secure, like, you know, even a month down the road. All of these things need to be managed and maintained and updated uh, regularly. So it's, it's just it's just scary out there that that's <clears throat> kind of the mindset that the average business owner has is I, I just I just need it done. And then, you know, it's good to go. I don't need to pay you to maintain it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like buying a car and being like, yep. ah, I don't need to change my oil, you know, whatever. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's, yes, bad things can happen. If you don't change your oil, your car will probably. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe, maybe cybersecurity is going to be a generational thing. Like, you know, we, we just need our, uh, uh, us, us as dads to start uh, passing that word along to the kids. Right. That, that's where I learned I needed to change my oil. So maybe, maybe that's the trick with cybersecurity. Tell, tell the world the check engine light is on, right? I, I taught my seven-year-old all about firewalls, so he, he he doesn't understand how to work them, but he knows what they're there for. So there's that. So Lockbit also, those geniuses, um, they're using, um, I'm just looking here, that they're now using a, uh, a 
a variant of the Conti ransomware source code. So they basically took what they saw with the leaked source code from Conti and said, hey, this looks pretty good. Let's let's go build our LockBit 3.0, you know, (coughs) off of that. So Mm -hmm. here they go again, you know, improving their software um, and using some of uh, uh, old ransomware group that was very successful and has since gone away, but they're using their source code to continue their operations and refine and improve. Um, not, not just like most businesses do right out there. Um, see what a competitor is doing, see what an old competitor is doing, look at their operations and, and say, Hey, we like what they're doing there. Let's, let's change the way we're doing things. Mm-hmm. So, um, a couple things that these ransomware groups are doing now, guys, and Randy, I know you wanted to talk about this. Um, this is important to you, uh, as it, as it should be to everybody else, um, that these cyber criminals are now, and I guess the way that we should look at this and the way I want to frame it is, is that when we have, when we have, uh, ransomware attacks and they are, uh, happening, you're in the midst of the ransomware attack. Typically that's when people think, or the threat is greatest for data to be released. And what we're actually seeing is companies that are not negotiating with ransomware groups that the threat of the data being released is is happening over a longer period of time than than what we've seen in the past. <clears throat> so one example we have is um, Five guys, five guys, burgers and fries, right? They got hit with ransomware. They're, they had cyber criminals in their systems back in September of 2022. And now we're starting to see a lot of their data be posted on Black Cat's blog, the group that, that um, hacked them. And they're starting to push this out slowly, you know, six, seven months after, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, five guys management and corporate probably thought that this was a over and done with issue. Um, and here they are now having to deal with data showing up on the dark web. So love to hear your guys thoughts on, you know, this, this new tactic where it's taking longer and now this stuff is, is starting to happen with this, this data release or, you know, these dumps of data that of, of what's stolen from these companies. I mean, definitely puts pressure on five guys. I still, you know, generally think the public doesn't care too much. But um, but it definitely puts pressure on five guys to, to start paying or do something to respond to these guys so um, so they don't threaten them more. Looking yeah. at a uh, Twitter link here, we see we have information from 2021 bank statements. Uh, we have payroll information for New York open enrollment information, petty cash documents. So it's a, it's a big treasure trove of information, but I don't think the public's gonna care or put pressure enough on five guys to say, you know, hey, we're an employee and we don't want our data released, you know, pay up. I, I, think it's, I think it's a double-edged sword though. Like, you know, in this case, five guys had already announced for one reason or another that they had gotten hit. So at that point, you know, what advantage is there for them to to pay the ransom? The 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 publicity, the negative publicity is already hit. So I I think that actually de-incentivizes them uh, to pay the ransom. Yeah. Uh, however, if it's something where it hasn't made the public news yet, you know, then they've got that that option. Like either I pay 
uh, and maybe be able to you know sweep this under the rug, which is not advisable either. Um, or you know, I pay the ransom, or I, I don't pay the ransom, and then they're going to come back, and and you know everybody's going to know about it. Yeah, I mean, this could also, I mean, kind of two different things. It could also kind of reveal one, um, maybe Black Hat's hurting for money, um, and they're trying to just squeeze the last drop out of every penny that they can, or maybe it shows that they've got plenty of money and they can play the long game. Here we are two years into it. You know, they're still messing with five guys. And I would say, yeah, most of the people, like we know most consumers just know that their stuff's been released, but there might be information in there that five guys doesn't want to get out. Like maybe there's Mm -hmm. something proprietary in some of their I don't think so. They're pretty simple uh, ingredients, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe there's something proprietary in the way they do things. Um, I don't know. Um, but bottom line is at the end of the day, they may not get you on the front end, but they might get you on the back end with some kind of uh, double extortion, like trying to sell your data yeah. or, or something like that. And, you know, can you imagine being in a business where five years <laughs> later, they're still messing with your heads, right? You know, they're still doing the psyops, and you know, gosh, it's got to hurt confidence. I think um, that's a really this- good point, though, Randy. Like, like I, I think maybe that's another thing that that kind of hurts them in the long run as well. Is is all of this double and triple dipping? So it kind of like ruins that trust. I mean, we're talking about you know uh, criminal gangs that have uh, customer service departments, like. If, if they charge you the ransom, you know, the first time and, and you pay it to get your data back and then they, they hit you up again saying, oh, glad you got your data back. But now you need to pay us this much before, uh, you know, so we don't release the data. You know, what? at, at some point, people are just going to throw their arms up and go, why should I pay now? Because they're just going to try and charge me three more times. I might as well just not pay it from the beginning. So I think mm-hmm. that's something that can hurt them as well. So, Randy, you uh, also wanted to discuss this whole Royal Mail thing because it's a similar situation where, correct me if I'm wrong, they were hit a while ago and now they're starting to see data show up Mm -hmm. on the dark web. What's going on over there with the Royal Mail? Yeah, I mean, uh, bottom line is they, um, this one, this one drew my eye because one, they've they've put a deadline um, for February 9th which, you know, right now it's probably already February 8th um, over in the British Isles. And they're saying by February 9, if they don't pay the ransom, they're going to release all of this, this information that they have. And, you know, this is a, it's kind of like a UPS um, that we have here stateside, um, but it's over obviously in the UK. So they have so much information on individuals, parcels they've received, I mean, so many things. Like, imagine you ordered, like, you know, is this, you more, is this more like the post office or more like UPS? Do what? Is this more? Is this more like the post office or more like UPS? Um, I don't know exactly. They are a firm. They're not part of the government, from what I understand. Um, and since it's a postal and parcel firm, you know, maybe it's maybe it's UPS plus they do more letters. I don't know, um, but you know. All that information, though, can still be used both to target to target. I would say mostly their customers, because any kind of little information you can get on a leak like this can help the bad guys. If they get it, it can help them build trust when they're trying to, you know, scam 
or do phishing emails, get people to click on things, get get into networks. I mean, it's going to open up a treasure trove because, you know, tie in the other article. Let's say one of the people on here received a server that's well known for, you know, hosting um, the ESXi that we talked about. So now you send them an email, you know, some kind of thing that makes them makes them trust you. They click on it. Now you can get into their network and boom, take advantage of their ESXi. I mean, I know that's a little bit far fetched, but, you know, that's a huge possibility with that this kind of data. So you mentioned that they have till February 9th to do something, what pay a ransom or respond. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think? Pay a ransom or the data gets released onto the dark web. What do you think? What do you think is actually going to happen on February 9th? Um, well, I mean, I would go back to the line I quoted from the show I watched the other night. I'm going to, I'm a criminal. What did you expect me to do? I think they're going to release the data if they don't get their money. I mean, unless they think they have a chance, you know, uh, oxymoron of the day is criminal gangs, customer service department that Ryan said. Um, mm -hmm. But if they think if their customer service department thinks they have a chance of getting the money by maybe delaying it a little longer, they might drag it out. But I think if they don't get it and they know they don't think they're going to get the money, I think they're going to release the data. But they also have to be role models in this. Not hundred percent sure if they're privatized or if it's government, but if it's government, you know, imagine you know the White House saying we have to pay a ransomware so that we can operate again. So I just think it just really depends if if they're privatized. Then yeah, maybe they'll they'll do it just for the sake of keeping running the business. But if it's government, I think they just have to hold strong and tell the public like, look, we did it too. And if you ever get ransomware, don't pay it and and you know stick it to these uh, attackers. Yep. So it sounds like uh, I just looked up your question, Andre. It sounds like they they were like the literal like post office, um, but because they were running in the black, they um, they basically made it to where it's private now, so they could actually get um, a profit. Looks like the government over time had slowly um, sold off shares, but they sold off the remaining fourteen percent. Um, not too in the not too distant past. So sounds like it was pro, it was pub, public, um, but then they privatized it to get uh, to help them turn a profit. Mm -hmm. so, so this sounds like that like they do all the mail over there, which um, that's what I thought. You know, even more disturbing, right? <laughs> so, that's, what, that's, that's what I thought. I mean, I, I I felt like it was the equivalent of our USPS getting hacked. So nobody. Yeah. That, it seems like our USPS is kind of off off budget. You know, I don't know. I mean, I know they're obviously run by the government, but but anyway, I don't want to get into those details. But they're anyway, not, they're like a nonprofit that, yeah, you know, whatever. Not able to make profit. So whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Lots of lots <laughs> of stuff in the in the uh, news this week, and uh, I hope people learned a lot and at least started to make you think a little bit about what you're doing in your business when it comes to cybersecurity and how you're protecting your customer data and even just your business operations. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any of us. It's not hard to find us if you just Google our names, and you can find our own company websites and uh, reach out to us that way. We're all very visible on social media. Um, we also have the security squawk uh, social media sites as well that you can visit, ask us questions. 
Remember, share our show, and we will see everybody next week. Take care, everyone. See you later. Thanks for tuning in.